Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. Qué golazo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín, 1-0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning. How was your weekend? It was great, thank you, yeah. I was, in, I was predominantly in Brighton. Right. Sunny Brighton, by the beach. Um, they've got like a, a, a fringe sort of comedy festival mm -hmm. on at the moment. Uh, I was doing a show down there, very nice. Fish and chips, rock, all that, all that kind of stuff, you know. Can't beat it. Nope, you can't. Um, so, yeah, I had a lovely old time. What about you? Uh, well, yeah, it was good. It was a good weekend here in Ireland, you see, because we mm. we had the referendum uh, uh, for marriage equality, which passed with flying colours, and everybody was delighted. Well, not everybody. Of course, there were some people who weren't very happy about it at all. But, you know, fuck them. That's yeah, my indeed. general thinking on that. The good guys won. Exactly. The good guys and the good girls uh, and now anybody can get married to whoever they want. Well, not yet. They've got to put the, you know, the legislation in place. But the people have said, yes, anyone who loves anyone can get married. And that's a good thing, surely, right? Um, listen, I'm on board. You're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, of course, you know, you should uh, feel a little bit proud of this. You, you know, you've got, you've got some Irish in you. Not, not, not right at this moment, but um, generally speaking. No, not that I'd be against it. And listen, I was in Brighton. I was, you know, the, the gay capital of England. I'm sure uh, they were absolutely delighted as well to get through. So all in all, not a bad few days. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and topped off then with some, some very nice football against West very, Brom. Very nice, yeah, very welcome. I mm. really enjoyed the last day. I watched Match of the Day last night. So did I, I, yeah. I've sort of got out of the habit of doing, if I'm honest, you know, I've... I, been watching it like fast forwarded on highlights but i really enjoyed it it felt like the last day of school yeah just loads of weird stuff going on yeah i mean i you know whatever about the newcastle um uh whole thing which wasn't particularly interesting and i think nobody's surprised that it panned out the way it did i did i did quite like gutierrez uh yeah. scoring the goal you know having come back from from uh, testicular cancer check your balls guys seriously make guys. sure there's no lumps there uh, exactly. Mm. I mean, uh, Google it. There's videos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to go into like an in-depth description of how to do it. And then I thought... I think everybody probably has a good enough idea of what to do. You yeah. Know. They, they're supposed to be round. If they're not, you know, yeah, so, something's awry. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, do check that out. But, yeah, great for him to come back. And I think that was his uh, final game for Newcastle, wasn't it? Mm, apparently so, yeah. Mm. It's the end of his contract, I think. Uh, yeah, so that was good. And then, of course, <laughs> then of course there was Liverpool. That was really... I mean, holy shit, the quality of the Stoke goals. Now, not that I'm particularly keen on, um, you know, uh, praising or crediting Stoke for anything uh, at all, but holy shit, they were good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, they were really good. That Steven and Zonzi goal, particularly. Do you know what was brilliant about that? In that you looked at it and went, of course. You just, yeah. <laughs> Of course, why you know why why doesn't that happen more often? Because you could see it. It was like yeah, all you have to do is just kind of curl it into the top corner. I mean, that's mm. all you have to do to score. I mean, what's wrong with player? Why can't they, you know? It was he made it look very easy. But I liked um I liked uh what's his, was it Juf? Is that's that's his name? Juf, yeah. Juf. The second one now. In fairness, Mignolet has the reaction time of a fucking highly stoned sloth. Because <laughs> the ball just missed his hand by about th three or four inches, and then yeah. the then the ball was in the net, and he went, oh. um, and, and that has something to do with how hard the shot was. But man, that's some that's some dodgy goalkeeping. Yeah, he kicked it. He kicked it pretty hard, but it was pretty near Mignolet. Mm -hmm. He's been a bit of a disaster, I'd say, at Liverpool. To be honest, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
But that was hilarious, yeah. I mean, I know, you know, we probably can't talk too much about first-half capitulations at Stoke, but that one uh, was was enjoyable to watch. There yeah. was genuine, at uh, half-time at Arsenal, when they were reading out the scores, there was audible laughter from the entire <laughs> stadium. As there should be. Yeah. As there should be. Um, uh, yeah, well, so 6-1 in the end, and Rodgers... Yeah, yeah. I'm slightly worried that they might sack him because I think he's doing marvellous work there. <laughs> I think he'll stay. I don't know. When a manager comes out and says something like, if the board wants to sack me, you know, they can. I always feel it's because they, they have had some kind of assurance. But mm. who knows? Who knows? They were quite ruthless with Dalglish, so... Yeah, that's true. And Dalglish, uh, you know, did more than Rogers in the sense that, you know, he won something. He won something, yeah, and I think he finished runners-up or something similar. So, yeah, he must be in some danger. Mm. Um, anything else in particular? Because I sort of then was tired after the uh, Arsenal highlights and kind of went to bed, I think. What about what did you make of the carrying Drogba off incident? Um, I kind of get it, but, like, what a pack of wankers at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't like the 90th minute or the 89th minute. When it was, like, after 26 minutes or something like that. It was really strange, I thought. And like, I where, like do, where does that come from? We'll carry him off. Yeah. I bet John Terry thought of that. In the ceremonial, the famous 28th minute. I don't know <laughs> if there was some significance to that or... It's just bizarre. Yeah, really, really odd. I would have booked every single... If I was a referee, I'd have booked every single one of them for time-wasting. Yeah. You Twice? Know. Well, no, but, you know, I would have been quite, quite easy to dish out a second yellow for anything else. True. You know, True. just to sort of make Mourinho's head explode. But yeah, look, I understand that if a player is considered a legend at a club that you want to mark the occasion in some way, but does that not happen when you give him his his start in a game? Is that not what that's about? That's giving him the credit and the, the chance to say goodbye. Mm. Carrying him off the pitch. <laughs> Fucking Jesus. It was, it, was, it was surreal. It was really odd. And thankfully I went to bed before I saw that, but I did see some pictures of it. Um, so... I don't think you would have enjoyed it. I don't I'll think say that so. much. I don't think so either. Uh, Aston Villa, how did they... They lost, am I they right? They lost to Burnley. Um, that good or bad? Should we care? Does it make any difference? I mean, probably not. I mean, they're, they're not in great form. They got absolutely hammered, didn't they, the week before against mm. Southampton. But uh, maybe they've got one eye on the final. You know, I think they could have both eyes on the final. All their eyes mm. are on the final. Mm-hmm. I think so. so. So, you know, it's a one-off game. I, th- I think you can't read too much into that, no. Okay. All right. Well, look, let's touch on what we did. And Arsene Wenger made uh, some changes to the team. He brought in Gabriel. Uh, mm. He brought by Coquelin into midfield. He played Jack Wilshere on the right-hand side. And he played Theo Walcott as a striker. And holy moly. Holy baloney moly. He, um, he really made the most of that, didn't he? Yeah. Holy moly all the goalies. It was really fun. I think I thought um, Arsenal were really good, actually, in the first half. I mean, West Brom, I'm not sure to what extent they were really there. I know. Times. I know exactly to what extent. <laughs> no extent whatsoever. They were like, oh, fuck, we've got to play this game. Oh, this is like a pain. We've already beaten Chelsea and we've beaten Man United. Oh, I just can't be arsed with this. Fuck it. I'm just going to just turn up and, you know... Ugh. They, they, I mean, I think we have to put uh, that into the context of the game a little bit. Mm. You know, it was a dead rubber, mostly. Um, it would have taken something remarkable for for us to lose the third place. West Brom didn't give a shit. But, you know, at the same time, when you play someone like Walcott and when you play Wilshire in a game like this, all you want for them to do is give you something to think about. And to their credit, both of them, I thought both of them were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've i been um, accused in the past, perhaps, of not liking Theo Walcott too much. I can neither confirm nor deny that, but I can say categorically that he played brilliantly in that first half and could have had more than a hat-trick. And what did you make of him playing as a centre-forward? I mean, we haven't seen too much of him there, obviously, and I thought... It seemed to to really work mm. for him on the day. Yeah, it did. And I think that perhaps there was not much choice for the manager because 
it was clear from the last number of games that Giroud uh, needed a rest or hasn't been playing as well as he has um, for most of the season. He's he's had a bit of a slump in form, no question about that. And if Danny Welbeck, for example, had been fit, I think he might have played as a striker. But I think there was a need to change the centre forward for this game. Simple as that. Uh, the only real option we had was Theo Walcott. Um, and... and Arsene Wenger has spoken a number of times about him playing down the middle um, and his ability to do that. And I don't know that everybody is hugely convinced by that argument, although he did have that great game against uh, Tottenham, didn't he? And I think he might have played there a couple of times, maybe against Newcastle that time, and he scored a hat-trick there as well. So maybe there there is something to it that maybe if you just put him in an area where um, the, the stuff that he's not so good at doesn't become quite as big an issue that you get something like we like we saw yesterday. I mean, the first goal, poof, smack. Yeah, brilliant finish, Whoa. wasn't it? Yeah. Really amazing. I mean, it's classic Walcott in some respects because it, it's one where he sort of didn't think about it, you know, just had a moment to get a shot away. And it yeah. was an outstanding effort on goal. I think this thing about playing through the middle, it might, it might just be that I'm not sure we can afford him wide. You know, this year we've seen guys like Alexis Sanchez, the, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain playing on the flanks, and they felt like an upgrade to Walcott in some respects because they work so hard defensively, they're quite switched on, they cover their man, all the things that Walcott doesn't do. And I just wonder that if you play him as a centre-forward, the responsibilities are, you know, significantly less yeah. from a defensive point of view. So you can kind of get away with Walcott mm. as a striker. Yeah. And that, that means you can make the most of his strengths. And I thought Meza Ozil and Jack Wilshire combined really well at times yesterday and I thought they both looked like they enjoyed maybe it's just for a for a change to be honest but they enjoyed playing with a striker who could get away from defenders so easily. Yeah, l- a, l- someone who's a little bit more nippy in mm. around the box and has that bit of pace and can uh you know he he does make some okay runs, you know. Uh, there were a couple where, yeah, you know, he pulled the defenders wide and, and was found with balls over the top that perhaps Giroud wouldn't have got to because he doesn't have the same kind of pace and is a is a different kind of a player. But I also liked his um, I also liked his second goal. Sort of reminded me a yeah. bit of that one against uh, Chelsea. Remember when he fell over and everyone stopped and he just kind of kept going and then scored. I think that was at Stamford Bridge in that 5-3 game. But it was, you know, the ball fell to him in the box and he had to be quick and, and nimble to make the space to get the shot away. And again, in recent weeks, we've seen Giroud perhaps in similar-ish kind of positions, but just hasn't been able to move the ball as quickly and find that space to, to get the shot away. So uh, I enjoyed that goal as well. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it's, it's, people always talk about his speed and his movement, but his technical ability is not something that people rave about. But in that goal, there was one brilliant touch where he sort of just lifted it with the outside of his foot away from a defender to open up the shot. Mm. And I agree, like, that's the sort of goal. I mean, it's a striker's goal, to use the cliche, wasn't it? It was a crowded penalty area, created the space, and a really, really neat finish too. So, yeah, really encouraging. Then, then Jack Wilshire got in on the act... With the goal of the season. Yeah. I, Did you hear about this? Well, I saw that it, it won goal of the season this morning on Twitter, but I was looking at the goal of the season thing on Match of the Day that they showed the goals, and it was like they went, oh, yeah, there was that one, and then there was that one, and fuck, oh, shit, we've forgotten. We've forgotten to make the goal of the season list. Let's take about five of them from the last two weeks. There was a gap between, like, October and March or something. Yeah, where no goal, no good goals were scored. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at all the goals again in the season, but it seemed to me a fairly underwhelming uh, list of goals, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I thought out of that bunch, as much as I loved Wilshire's goal yesterday, I think the best goal uh, of, the, of the bunch that they showed on Match of the Day was the Zamora goal. That's a brilliant goal. That's absolutely outstanding. You know, quite deliberate as well. A little whacking off the crossbar, left foot outside. You know, brilliant, brilliant goal. I, um, I like that goal a lot. I like I like Di Maria's goal as well against Leicester. The little scoopy job. Scoopy. I, I'm I'm on board with that as well because it was nice that after that moment he retired from football. So <laughs> we no longer have to worry about yeah, it. To, to, to celebrate the beauty of that goal, he will no longer do That's anything it. to tarnish that. That's it, he went out on a high. Yeah, fair play. R.I.P. Maria, Di Maria. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, Wilshire's goal won one goal of the season for, is that the second season in a row now? Yeah, yes, retained the trophy. It's a 
good good omen ahead of the FA Cup final. I mean, it was a great goal, but I mean, it was one of those where he, you know, he swung his foot at a ball bouncing in front of him perfectly, cunted it right into the top corner. Uh, and everyone, I think, loves a goal that is still rising when it hits the back of the net. There's something about that that's quite visceral. Yeah, know? a bit like that Aaron Ramsey goal against Galatasaray mm. uh, back in the autumn. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, a great strike, obviously. I thought more generally, because I do think it was one he just sort of put his foot through, really. Um, I thought Wilshire had a really good game. And I- I'm really enjoying seeing him play in the final third in this right-hand side position. I think it's... It's really helping him at the present time. It's protecting him a little bit from some of those challenges that cause him problems in the middle of the park. Mm. And it also means he can take a few more risks. You don't worry about him conceding possession in his own half by holding on to the ball for too long. I think it's, at the you know, right now, I think it's the best way to use him. Yeah, it's interesting as well because when he does come in field that he's on his left foot and he's able to uh, to provide those combinations. You know, he's not going to be a guy who's going to get down outside the fullback and put a cross in with his right foot. We know that. So there might be, um, you know, a point where what he does becomes a little bit predictable uh, from that position. Uh, but, you know, what he did yesterday and the way he combined with, with Ozil, what the way he combined with uh, Alexis at times, with Cazorla, you know, I thought, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, the kind of display that we've been wanting to see from Jack Wilshire for for ages, you know, and maybe there's a, a, a thing now, having spent another significant part of this season out injured, he really, really is desperate to make up for, uh, for for all the lost time. And since he's come back into the team, he's he's looked really, really sharp. And of course, the thing about it is, at this point in the season, Walcott and Wilshire both have that extra bit of freshness in their legs that most other players don't because they've been playing all season. I'm not just talking about our players. I'm talking about opposition defences. Yeah. And, you, I mean, you could see the impact of that yesterday. I mean, it, it's, um, as you say, it's exactly what Arsene Wenger would have wanted. When you make those kinds of changes, you're just hoping for someone to come in and state a case for a place in the final. You know, people will talk about selection headache, but he'll be absolutely delighted because now a team that was looking a little sluggish in recent weeks looks invigorated. Mm. And it's... It's predominantly down to those two guys. Mm, I'm sure we'll get to this in the questions part, but it's certainly given him something to think about this week coming up to the uh, coming up to the cup final. Because well, you know, if you if you accept that your team needs something different to give it a spark and and uh, and and get it going again, mm. when the players that you bring in do exactly that, at what point then do you, how do you how do you say you can leave them out? You know, it's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, he'll be torn because I think he'll want to be loyal to the players who have got to the final and been and been effective across the course of the campaign. But mm. you've got to pick the best team on the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fascinating one. What did you? Second half was a bit sort of. Uh, I mean, there wasn't much to it. Was I think West Brom were had been sort of probably shouted at quite a lot in the dressing room. I suspect Tony Pulis, when they arrived in at halftime, was completely and utterly naked. Yeah with wrestling grease on him, going, come on, you fuckers, which one of you is going to wrestle me? You're either going to go out there in the second half and play better, or we're going to fucking get it on. There's going to be some grappling and half Nelsons and rusty trumpets and all that. And uh, I'd say that was what got West Brom going a little bit more in, in the second half. I witnessed for the first time in person the standing up press conference that Tony Pulis does after every game. That's quite strange. He stands up. He stands up. For the entire press conference. Why? It's like a trademark thing. I don't know. I think it's so that... Is he I mean, quite small? <laughs> no, he, he's just... I don't know. He's ready for a fight at any point. He's like, if one of you journalists comes at me... We're going to fucking wrestle. Come on. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's naked, covered in grease again. Well, he's he's naked from the waist down. It's just behind the bench, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really surreal. He was talking about how he's going to row across the channel next week for charity. Which is nice, but he was sort of doing it in a way that I, he was he was making a point. He was like, listen, you little worms, I'm going to be... Don't mess with me, mate. I can row anywhere. I might row the Atlantic afterwards. Yeah, just for fucking fun. Yeah. And if you don't like it, we're going to wrestle with Greece. That's it. And then he starts taking the trousers off again. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's a real experience. Hmm. Um, yeah, second half. Bit odd. What did you make of their goal? I didn't think very much of it, to be honest. What... Look, alarm goal, bells? A little bit. 
A little bit. I think goalkeepers can come and miss a cross and, you know, it's not like the worst thing in the world. It happens. What I found really odd was the save from the Anichibi shot. Mm. It's almost like if you're watching a bad stream and he get you know, he sort of went down and then a little bit more down and then he's down and then eventually got down on the ground to push it around. He went, he, it was odd. You know, there are things about Ospina that you look at and you go, well, it wasn't, you know, he made a save. He made the save, but it it looked odd. There are things that he does that just look odd to me. Like, like when an outfield player goes in goal. Yeah. Sort of yeah. Do weird, like, weird stuff like save it with their feet and things like that. Yeah, it was odd. And then there was that moment, um, that moment late on where the shot went through his hands and, and hit the crossbar. You know, uh, I think we'll come to this in the questions part as well. But yeah, what what did you make of it? Yeah, I thought, I mean, look, it's not like he's been doing that every week, charging no, out no. the corners and, and missing them. But it was a bit of a, a worrying one. I think obviously if Aston Villa are watching that, they'll think, right, we'll have a, we'll have a crack at that then, shall we? Mm. Because it was strange. He just misjudged the trajectory. He almost ran behind the ball. Mm. Uh, and the error where he sort of punched the ball onto the bar... I wonder if that was related. You know, he was, his confidence was rocked a little bit by by the concession of that goal. Mm. But Aaron Ramsey, did you enjoy the moment where Aaron Ramsey had that shot that hit the post and Arsene Wenger's little finger flicking? That response? was good. Yeah, the, and the look of Coquelin beside him was great as well. Yeah, Coquelin was like, "All right, the boss is he's quite cool. You're you're pretty cool for an old guy." You know, that was good. I thought that was great. And and Ramsey was really unlucky, wasn't he, not to score? I mean, the one that cracked off the post. My Hill made a fantastic save to tip a, a little curler mm. onto the onto the crossbar. And then there was another moment where he got in on goal and, and dragged a shot wide. But look, there you go. He's come on. He's been left out of the team. He's seen Wilshire like, tear it up. And his response is like, yes, I'll have, I'll have some of that as well. Uh, didn't yeah. quite, didn't quite, you know, get the goal that that he was looking for, but certainly, you know, put himself in in the positions to to do that. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be a really interesting week for for Arsene Wenger, I think, uh, when it comes time to to select his team. So the Premier League season is done. Mm-hmm. Um, third, third, less points than last season, I believe. Yes, but we're third. Uh, but we're third, yeah. so that's better, right? It's it's one better than fourth. Maths. Mm-hmm. Um, Progress. Yeah, I mean, I still. Yeah, I think so. I think you know you can say, look, we don't have as many points, but each season is different uh, in terms of who you play and how you play them. And I think ultimately you're judged on where you end up, right? Not uh, how many points you've got, because you could maybe get uh, more points and finish fourth like we did last year. So, we, we mm. you know, I still think that the bones of of what's there is much more positive than it was even 12 months ago and certainly more 24 months ago, absolutely. You know, you can see that the, there's a, a developing um, thing going on in this team. You can see where it can be improved, certainly. But also the, the general quality of the player that we have is is better. There are issues that we have to sort out. We've got to start next season a lot better and make sure that we stay competitive. But yeah, I think for the most part, um, there there has been progress. You? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, the shame of the season, I suppose, is that we were never realistically in any kind of title race. No. Uh, even when we are at our best, you know, winning eight games on the bounce, we weren't close. Mm. And um, that's frustrating. But yeah. that, that all comes back to the start, as you said. Yeah, too many games where at the start of the season, and it wasn't even that, that we were losing, but we drew drew too many silly games. You know, Hull, um, what was the other one? Tottenham, uh, Tottenham Leicester. Uh, even you look at the Manchester City game, and we were, what, five minutes or seven minutes from winning that game. We were 2-1 yeah. up uh, and came back. I mean, we could have lost it in the end, I remember going out of that game feeling very weird and you know it was it was odd but you know you just feel that perhaps if we could have held on against Manchester City and not drawn that game that that might have been the earlier season boost that that would have restored confidence to a certain extent as it was it was one of those that just raised a few more doubts despite the fact we played pretty well on the day you know so yeah I think it's um I think it's 
a shame that we weren't involved in, in a title challenge because we were last season. That's the thing. Mm. We fell away, but we were we were well and truly top of the table for longer than anyone else um, for the duration of the season. But at the business end, we were found wanting. And this time, I think that what that did was, was um, make people, rightly enough, expect that we could do something similar again. Even if we weren't going to be top for ages, we wouldn't be, like, way behind. Um, so the start of the season was, yeah, is what, what cost us. Indeed. So it did well. No excuses mm. next time, man. Yes, none. We've got to put those two bits of the season together. You know. <laughs> to make a whole season. When we can finish second. There we go. That'll be progress as well. It's the steady climb. Mm-hmm. Right, well, uh, yeah, so that's it. Any other thoughts on the Premier League season or whatever happened yesterday? Mm, no, not really. I don't think so. I feel a bit sorry for Steve Bruce. I like his I like his little face, to be honest. He seems nice. He, I'd like it if he was my grandma. <laughs> yeah, well, he does have that Mrs. Doubtfire quality, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know, The pigeon lady from Home Alone. Put him in a floral dress. <laughs> oh, James, hello. Would you like a sandwich? I would. I'd love one of Steve Bruce's sandwiches. I'd say they're enormous. Yeah. Gigantic fucking, like... like every kind of meat. Yeah, one of each. Flightless birds I think and Steve everything. Bruce, yeah, I think Steve Bruce is the sort of person who would eat that dish, which is like a bird in a bird in a bird. Turducken. That may be what it's called. I don't know. That's turkey, duck and chicken. Turducken. Lovely. Yeah. Well, I imagine that he has a turducken sandwich. <laughs> Bones and all, he just sort of crunches through them with those powerful back molars of his. Exactly. Yeah. I broke a molar this weekend. Oh, I don't I want to talk you... about that. Really? Does it freak you out? Yeah, I don't like it. Okay. Oh. But just so all the listeners know, it happened. If you find a bit of a molar in Brighton, call me. <laughs> Somewhere there on the beach, probably. <laughs> yeah, among the pebbles. Yes. All right, well, look, uh, let's draw part one of this Arscast Extra to a close. And we'll come back in part two with your questions and stuff. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. That was my little extra bit there. I liked that, actually. Yeah, Mm. do that every week. I should. Um, We should mention, of course, that this Friday... We are going to be, on the evening of the Cup Final, in the Tollington, all going well. What we're going to do is, like, um, a sort of live cast extra, extra, um, <laughs> where we'll have um, some microphones and people will be there drinking beer and we might talk for a bit and then we might do some Q&A stuff, all at the same time broadcasting live on com, so people around the world can hear it. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? It sounds great. All around the world, mm. people will be listening to talking and the sound, the sweet sound of beer. The sweet sound of people drinking and not listening to us. Exactly. Yeah. I just imagine it just being like a general hubbub of conversation yeah. with us, us occasionally going, <coughs> hello. Um, Do you mind? Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to stuff here. We were, excuse me, we had some very important bullshit to talk. Um, no, so if you are in London or in the surrounding environs or going to be for the Cup Final, come, be yes, there. Yes, come and join us. There will be beer, there will be um, bullshit. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what, what else could you could want? want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, of course, Microphones. I, have, yeah, I have no idea how this is all going to work technically. That's the thing. Because we've got to somehow plug everything into the Tollington sound system and then plug my laptop into it and then broadcast from the, the laptop. So uh, if there are any sound experts out there who, who could offer some advice on this, uh, I'd be more than happy to talk to you. Because I, I feel like I need like some kind of thing, like a little mixer. I don't, I don't quite know. But anyway, I'll, I'll, we'll figure something out. Bullhorns, if, it, if the worst comes to the worst, we'll stand on the roof of the Tollington. Yeah. Which would be great. Yeah. So, James, who do you think should be in goal? <laughs> be marvellous. Just like taking questions from sort of n- nearby residents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just people, people going by on buses and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. like, why are you doing this? Don't you have homes to go to? Things yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, we we certainly don't. Not on the yeah. Friday night before the cup final. So, do come, please, join us in the Tollington on Friday evening from about 
seven o'clock, something like that. But I'll confirm on the on the side uh, when that's all happening. So look, let's get into some questions, James. And um, in the spirit of of uh, checking your testicles, you can go first. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to remove that image from my mind now. Um, okay, so this question is about Thomas Rosicki. It's from Chad, Ven- Chad Valenzuela. Please let that be his real name. Is it like Venezuela or Valenzuela? It's it's Valenzuela. Chad Valenzuela. Yeah. Pretty cool name. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's awesome. Chad asks, is Rizisky's, Rizisky's, is it, is Rizisky's extension testimonial based or will he play a significant role next year? I don't know if he'll play a significant role. I don't think it's anything to do with a testimonial either. Um, from what we can gather, he turned down offers uh, from MLS, uh, from Qatar, from Saudi Arabia. Uh, there are a couple of League of Ireland clubs after him as well. Uh, he uh, he resisted the urge to to come and play in this magnificent league, but um, I I think it could be to do with keeping experience around the squad uh, that he will be involved to to a certain extent, um, and also I do wonder if it might be because uh, you know somebody uh, of relative experience might be leaving this summer, ah. you know. So yeah, that could be a factor because I was initially quite surprised. So was I. So was I. Extended the deal. Um, even when he came on, again, was it Sunderland where he came on? Mm. And he got a big reception and it kind of felt a little bit like a goodbye. Um, he's, he's, he's played, I think he started something like six league games, if that. Five, yeah, I think he I started, think started eight games in total during the season and he's made 28 appearances. So and That's quite surprising in itself. It doesn't feel like that, does it? It feels like he's been more absent. Yeah. I think sort of since February, he's, he's not really got off the bench too much. Mm. Um, I'm surprised he's staying. I thought he'd want to go and play first-team football more regularly. Maybe, I don't know, maybe yeah. he's had a, some assurances about that. Or maybe he just likes being in London, being around the club. Yeah, could well be that. You know, I, and, and for the very reason that you mentioned, that's why I was surprised. That I thought, like, given he is 34, he'll be 35 this year, uh, he might just want to go and play... Uh, you know, more often, simply for the fact that he can go and play football. But when you look at him as a, uh, when he comes on, he still looks quick and sharp and fast. So he might be considering that, well, you know, all going well, I can continue to play till I'm like 37, 38. So he might still be able to do a couple of years in a in a league like MLS um, at the end of his uh, at the end of this current Arsenal deal. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, very possibly. I mean, mm. he, he did miss so much of his career, you know, that that must be a consideration for him. I think he wants to maximise his time now that he's hurtling towards the end. Mm. But I'm pleased I'm pleased to see him stay. I've got to say that, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely good news. And I think maybe something we've been a bit guilty of as a club is casting more experienced players aside a little too easily. Yeah. Uh, and he's someone who's a leader of the squad. You know, Wenger talks about him as a, a technical leader. Uh, but I think... He's also just one of the most more experienced players, hugely respected, hugely liked. So, mm-hmm. good thing to be keeping him around. Yeah, yeah. I love him. Love him as a player. Uh, all right. Well, look, uh, I think this is the one that we have to get out of the way. And this one comes from 
Valeriu Bulgariu at VA3R1US. So, okay. yeah. Um, and it's a, he says, is uh, Wojciech Szczesny a gooner or a goner after Wembley? And uh, lots of other people ask this question. Who is going to start in goal in the cup final? I don't know. So we have now remembered or discovered that Lucas Fabianski played the last league game last season. Is that correct? Correct. So he got a sort of chance to get some sharpness back mm-hmm. ahead of the cup final. Do you read much into the fact that Chesney didn't? It's so hard to know, isn't it? I would have thought that if you are going to play Chesney in the cup final, you would have given him, you would have given him the game yesterday. But then even, I mean, does Ospina's performance yesterday, does that raise questions? Even if, let's say, Ospina was going to start the cup final, does the fact that he was a bit dodgy yesterday, does that does that come into the equation? Or was that just, well, look, he's, he's played solidly, if unspectacularly, and, you know, he's going to have one or two of those moments and now he's got them out of the way. It's very difficult. It is hard, actually, and I think it's... I think there are problems with both, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, I think Aspina, I don't find Aspina entirely convincing. However, I also think it's a risk to put in a guy like Chesney who hasn't played much recently. Yeah. I do think that must be a massive factor. Yeah. Um, you know, the reason Fabianski got that opportunity is because coming straight into the side off the bench and expecting to be at your top level is a real stretch. So mm. I, I don't think Aspina, if, if Arsene was going to go with Aspina, I don't think what happened yesterday will have changed his mind. Yeah. Um, but outwardly, ostensibly, he's going to pursue the policy of playing the cup goalie. So that will be Chesney. It, it feels very, very close. And I, I wonder I wonder how the relationship between Chesney and Arsene is as well behind the scenes and whether that might also be a factor. Yeah. You know, Fabi- Fabianski left after the final last year, but that felt very cordial. Whereas it, was, if, it was end of contract. Exactly. Simple as that, you know. Whereas if Chesney is uh, angling maybe for a move away, which you would imagine he would be after six months on the bench, uh, there might be more strain mm. in that particular relationship, and that might influence Arsene's decision. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. What what do you what do you? Th- so, two two questions. What would you do, and what do you think Arsene will do? Oh, like I prefer Chesney to Ospina as a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. I think he's better. But there's also, I, I share the fear that you have that throwing a guy in to a cup final who hasn't played, he hasn't played for a month, over a month. It'll be six weeks since the semifinal, right? Five or six weeks anyway since the semifinal. That, that's the last game he played. Um, he wasn't 100% on that day either. I think he made a couple of all right saves, but you look at him a bit for the goal that we conceded. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's a risk to expect a guy to come into a game of that magnitude without without getting a warm-up game, at least. So I think there's, you know, I would prefer Chesney to Ospina in general and overall. And I think, you know, if they've been playing, if there was the, uh, a bit more playing time, I think I would prefer him. But then... I worry about him just being a bit too a bit too cold. What I still think he's good. I, I think he's going to play Chesney. I think he is okay. because it just doesn't make enough sense. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, all yeah. the all the stuff that we have concerns about, legitimate concerns about. Are, you know that's part of why Arsene Wenger will just go, yeah, I'll get him. I'll play him. Fuck it. I think he'll play Chesney. Mm. I think I think Chesney will start. I, but we got this wrong last season, too. I think we both thought Chesney was going to start last year also, and then Fabianski did. So our track record on this is poor. Yeah, I mean, we would, we categorically don't know. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I did sort of speak to somebody vaguely related with, um, with, with the club this weekend, and, and there's, a, there's a feeling, um, not quite sure where, where it comes from, but there's a feeling uh, that Chesney is the guy who's going to start. Okay. So, Do you think it'll be his last game for the club if he does? Could well be. Philippe Eau Claire said this on the on the Arscast mm. last uh, last Friday. 
Uh, actually, I, I met a, fa- a favourite of a tweet, which I must read out because it was very good. It comes from Mick Birchfield, M. Birchfield. And uh, he said, uh, uh, Ars blog, wasn't Philippe Auclair just talking about Walcott's finishing on your podcast on Friday? And then the hashtag is Voyance. Oh, that's, come on. That's, that's, that's excellent. That is top work, isn't that it? That is top work. But uh, yeah, it could well be that um, it's his last game. Could be. It's a Every, weird, weird situation. It is weird. All these goodbyes to Polish goalkeepers in cup finals. Yeah, and probably just tells us that we need to to sort out our goalkeeping situation in a in yeah. a serious way this summer. That's it, isn't it? I mean, I don't want to be having this debate next season about two goalkeepers who, for whatever reason, aren't quite right. I mm. think that that is, you know, we have a very complete squad uh, in some respects and it's about just improving quality where we can. But if there is a glaring gap, for me, it is a goalkeeper. All right. Uh, um, I'm going to move it on a little bit quickly and I'll take the next question just because it's it's similar, sort of related. Uh, Magnus Holmberg asks... Giroud or Walcott as striker for next weekend? Did Walcott do enough this weekend? And is Giroud's form so poor that you would consider playing Theo Walcott up front in the in the cup final from the start? I'd certainly consider it. I think you have to. I think when a player mm. scores a hat trick in the in the preceding game, <laughs> you know they have to be in really strong contention to start the next one, whether it's a cup final or not. You know, form is a massive factor in in any decision. And Giroud, I think he is eight games now without got eight appearances at any rate, seven starts in there. And I think he does look fatigued. He does look like someone who has been under significant strain this season. And we know that he, he takes a buffeting every week from mm. centre-halves. And he played an awful lot of football because Danny Welbeck's had a couple of injuries in that time. And Arsene considers Giroud pretty integral to the, the attacking structure of the team. I actually... I don't know if this will be a popular thing to say or not, but I'm, I would be very, very, very tempted to go with Walcott just mm. because I feel like he brought a freshness to the team that has been lacking in the last month or so. Sure. I mean, I get, I, we, we said that in the first part of the show, that he's got these fresh legs, um, mm. he's got pace, uh, he looks sharp around the box, and I think, yeah, Giroud's form is such that you have to really, really uh, give it some consideration. But playing devil's advocate... It's an yep. end-of-season game with nothing at stake, no pressure. Um, West Brom couldn't be arsed. How much of that is a factor? Or, or is it a factor? Um, you know, do, Is that just over-analyzing it? Uh, I think it could be a factor, but I think the confidence that Walcott will have gained from a performance like that is still mm. has, has some value. I think the argument for Giroud is sort of twofold. One is, for the last few months, we've developed a style that's quite contingent on his ability to hold the ball up and bring others into play around him. Those little flicks around the corner. Walcott is not going to offer you that. Uh, and I think there's also a case that Aston Villa are a team with quite a lot of height, a threat of set pieces. Do you want Giroud on that near post you know, to help deal with that? Mm. I, think, I think they are two strong arguments for his inclusion. But... I don't know. I also feel like he's a player who could have a quite a good impact coming off the subs bench. You know, if things aren't going to plan, you bring Giroud on with an hour gone or something like that, mm. and uh, suddenly you can change the, the way you're playing. But he I does get, yeah, got, it gives you a different kind of option. All right, yeah, that's it because we haven't really got a, a traditional striker on the bench otherwise. Mm. And I also think if I look at their centre halves, guys like Ron Vlar and Kieran Clark, I think that they would struggle to deal with Walcott's pace in a similar way to, to West Brom. What, what, um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it is a really, another hard call. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's got to be considered. I think you have to just simply because Giroud's form, his goal scoring form has kind of deserted him. So that on the one hand you say, well, he's going to score again sooner or later, but on the other, you're looking, well, now it's seven, eight games without a goal. Um, there's a guy who's just scored a hat-trick, looks sharp, scored a brilliant goal as well. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's not... Yeah, you, have to, you have to think about it. He's definitely got to think about it. I mean, do you have to choose? Can you play Walcott on the right and play both? Yeah, I mean, it depends what Villa have going down the left. Who, who do they have there? I don't know. Charles and Zogby is their left winger. I can't f- quite remember who their left back is. Right. Is it Ali Sissoko? 
uh, could well be. Could well be. Seems like it might be him. You know, um, yeah, we beat Villa quite convincingly um, earlier in the season, didn't we? Five, was it 5-0 at home? 5-0 at home. We I'm beat just him quite convincingly l- away from home as well with that first half flurry, wasn't mm. it? Uh, Ozil and Welbeck scored. I'm just going to look at the uh, the team for that day when we beat Aston Villa 5-0. There it is. So the team that day was Ospina, Mertesacker, Kasjani, Monreal, Bellerin, uh, Urzel, Ramsey, Cazorla, Coquelin, Giroud and Walcott. There was no Alexis that day. Mm. So Alexis has got to start. Urzel's got to start. Cazorla's going to start. Ramsey's going to start. Coquelin is going to start. So that leaves you with one space in your mm. front six. Mm. So maybe it is an either-or. I think it is an either-or, and it's going to be a difficult one for uh, for the manager. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. Okay, so let's have another question. By the way, do you think what happened yesterday... Uh, yesterday? Yes, yesterday. In terms of Walcott getting that hat-trick, do you think that will have any impact on his future at all? Well, I think Arsene Wenger was quite clear afterwards. He said, well, the hat-trick doesn't change the desire that we have to keep him. Whether he scored a hat-trick or didn't score a hat-trick, I think he wants to keep him. But I still think there's an impasse there between the two sides. But perhaps encouraging that the manager said that they have been talking with his agent. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the contact with the embassy has been made. They're sitting down to a formal dinner. All the uh, all the proceedings will uh, will take place, and you know we'll we'll see what happens. We will. So this question, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- I think we'll see what you make of this. This comes from Gillespie Road. It's at Arsenal Tube seventy one, mm-hmm. and they ask, "Do you have any superstitions or rituals you'll be following on Cup final day?" No. You don't go in for any at all. No. No lucky pants, lucky socks. No. No praying to Robert Perez. No, I mean, I might swoon at him if I see him again, because I saw him last season, uh, just before the final, so I'll do that. And uh, I think I had a little piece of yellow ribbon, so I might just do that, but just because it's, you know, it's a yellow ribbon and it's kind of arsehole and traditional. Uh, but no, no, I mean, none of How it makes any difference. How ribbon? Uh... Around your head, like a massive present. <laughs> uh, no, I think it was kind of just wrapped around my wrist. I think it could have been on my 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 t-shirt or my top or whatever I was wearing. And then it ended up behind my around my wrist, and then I lost it sometime later that night. So, well, listen, it's vi- it's vital that you do it again because it worked. Mm, okay, so that could be the difference between winning and losing. I think that was the difference. Mm. Did you not wear it for the first nine minutes and then pop it on afterwards? No, it was on the whole time. That would explain time. an awful lot. It was on the whole time. The whole mm. time. What about you? Do you do you go in for any of that? No, not at all, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Gillespie Road. Uh, sorry, I know that's quite a dull answer, but basically I, I'm, I'm, I don't... I, I, it's because if you... Let's say I deem something lucky. Let's say I deemed a pair of pants lucky. I would be too scared of them losing their supernatural powers. So I'd end up never wearing them anyway because I was like, what if I wear them and then we lose? They'll cease to be magical. So it's just a conundrum that I don't involve myself with. Well, so you're protecting the resale value of these pants that if you put them on eBay as lucky pants, you could certainly get more from them as these pants have been proven not to be lucky in the slightest. Exactly. How would I justify that to myself? Yeah. All my pants are unlucky. Yeah. That's the way I see it. (laughs) In many, many ways. But do check your balls, guys. Do check your balls. All right. Um, your question. All right. Uh, here's one. Uh, this one comes from Jamie Russell, at Jamie Gooner 85 mm. uh, talking about a former player. He says, now that he's fit, do you think Thomas from Allen could play DM for Barcelona? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Look, I'm happy for him at last that he... That it, that he did he did he play? Did he he play? did. He played at the weekend, yeah. Fantastic. He was in. He was in um, Marca's flops of the season. They picked their like worst team of the season, and Vermalen was in it, which seems a little bit harsh. Yeah, unless he was rubbish on that one performance, (laughs) like Um, like super mega fucking nuclear bad. I mean, no, look, it it is a flop. If you paid ten million pound for a player and then they could only muster one appearance in the entire course of the campaign, you would be worried. But Champions League final coming up, he'll be pushing for a place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
in, in the uh, in the centre of midfield, obviously. Of course, yeah, yeah, the Busquets role. Yeah. All right, go on. You got one? Have I got one? Um, yeah. All right. This is from Mark Pedersen. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Okay. Uh, he said, and I think this is in regards to the cup final, is it now clear that Jack Wilshire is a far more suitable right midfielder than Aaron Ramsey due to his ability to run past a guy with the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Wilshire has that um, has that ability. I mean, I don't see him as a right winger for, um, for the, the rest of his career in the long term. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe just from, for the moment given that we don't have uh, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, although he did make his comeback, interestingly. Yeah, and he looked a bit like Francis Cochlear. He had the Cochlear hairstyle, I thought. Getting his cock Down on. T. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that Wilshire... I mean, we talked about Walcott. Do you think Wilshire is going to be close to getting a start in the final? I think Wilshire is, prob- is more likely to miss out than Walcott. Walcott's got a better chance of starting the final than, than Wilshire, I think, because... And in some ways, that's that's as much to do with Giroud as it is to do with Walcott. Yeah, of course, because, uh, you know, Wilshire is... is uh, he's, he's not going to come in for, for players that have lost their form. Like, Ramsey's playing well, Cazorla uh, has been fantastic all season, Ozil, Alexis, you know, it's not as if there's a, a dearth of, of quality or effort or anything like that from those guys, whereas Walcott could come in for a guy who's who's uh, finding it a bit of a struggle at the moment. So I think there's the difference. I don't think he's going to start, but, I mean, I think what he does in the form that he's in is provide us with a, an option from the bench that could really change things if we if we need to. I think that's important because sometimes you look at a substitutes bench and you think, well, yeah, that guy could cover for him or that guy could come on for him if, you know, he got injured. But mm. what, what what's going to change or what could we do that's different uh, to change the, uh, the, the the course of a game? And Wilshire is a player uh, we saw yesterday who can score, who can create, who can, uh, you know, there was a bit of a pre-assist there and everything, wasn't there, with... Um, uh, with a little oh, dinky the pass for Cazorla, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think he and Walcott uh, at the moment provide that. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be, as much as I'm glad to see Oxlade-Chamberlain back, and I think he's fantastic and, and um, could well be, you know, our, our right-sided player next season from the very start, uh, I, you know, I'd be a little bit wary that he's got the fitness uh, and the, the match uh, sharpness to, to make an impact in, in a big game, but... You know, the other two certainly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound as if Danny Welbeck's going to make it based on... Uh, no, it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, if you, um, you know, if if Debushi is back in training and if uh, Welbeck is sort of back in training, they've been out for a while. Well, Welbeck not out for a, for a really long time, but Debushi, for example, there's no way he can play in the final, right? No, no. I think that's that done for him now. I, think yeah. Mikel, I mean, Mikel Arteta's back in training, but I, no, I mean, I'm he, not sure he'll he, be involved. He can't come back. Um, so it's going to be Bellerin at right back. I think we know the the uh, the, the back or the two centre-halves are going to be Cassiano and Mertesacker. Um, Monreal or Gibbs? He's played the last two, hasn't he? So yeah. I think Monreal's just been getting a bit of a rest. I imagine it'll be him. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, look, there's uh, decisions, and we, we, you know, we'll touch on those during the week. Uh, have we? Whose turn is it? My turn. I think so. Is it my turn? Okay. Uh, let me have a look here now, because um, you know we don't want to go too heavy on the cup final thing, because we've obviously got the the Ars cast on Friday. Uh, well, we've during... got to talk about Aspina versus Chesney for several hours then as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, we 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 don't want to use it all up today. So here's one. This comes from Nick Allen. And he wants to know, would you rather Brendan Rodgers become manager of Arsenal or find out Jose Mourinho was your biological father? Oh, my God. That is, I mean, yeah, the devil in the deep blue sea, isn't it? Mm. I would have to say that I would rather Brendan Managers was manager of Arsenal because... Brendan Managers. Is that what I called him? Yeah, Brendan Manager. Brendan Managers. Brendan Managers. <laughs> Brendan Managers. <laughs> I'd, r- I'd rather he was rogering Arsenal because he that would be a temporary thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Managers, with the exception of Arsene Wenger, managers come and go. Whereas if Jason Mourinho is my biological father, I have to live with that for the rest of my life. There's nothing I can do to break that genetic bond. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I would sort of kill him in kind of Star Wars fashion. Yeah, that, that, that could be an option. 
you know, the lightsaber duel would be interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't want that that hanging over me. My, my genetic legacy is already sort of muddled and, you know, conflicting enough without throwing <laughs> the Portuguese man-a-wanker into there as well. Portuguese man-a-wanker, I like it. Someone's definitely mm. going to Photoshop that for us. Please, a Portuguese <laughs> man-a-wanker. Uh, so, yeah, send that Do to us on Twitter. Do you have a preference? Or- oh, yeah, I'd prefer Mourinho as my dad. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but I'll tell you why. Because uh, Jose Mourinho is, what, 52... <laughs> 53, something like that. And I am 43. So that would have made him 10 when he became my dad, which would have made him like a child sex offender. And that way I could then get him thrown in jail. Interesting. I'm not quite sure it works the way I'm thinking, but, you know... No, I'm not sure that is the law, but... Yeah. It's definitely weird, and I think people might judge him for that. Yeah, I mean, Brendan Rodgers as manager of Arsenal? I don't think so. I don't think I could ever countenance that. Simply because Brendan Rodgers' lips, it's like they're up there with... like even well, he could make it, it. No, he's got these weird kind of puffy... They look like they they secrete like dry talcum powder out of them. I it's never, very he, odd. Yeah, I always think he looks a little unwell, Brendan. Uh, okay, here's a, here's a very quick question then. Um, just moving on from this, uh, because uh, it's, both of those things are, are uh, appalling to even consider, yeah. you know, even from a vaguely com- uh, comedic point of view. But if you were going to make a Frankenstein footballer out of the most disgusting parts of people in the game, what would you use? And I'm going to I'm going to start off here with uh Cristiano Ronaldo's neck, which is gross. What about the the lacquered hair of Maran Shamak. Yes, that would be good hair. You'd have Brendan Rodgers' lips, Charlie Adams' teeth, <laughs> whose uh, who's eyes or head James Milner's head it's so enormously it's square giant. and it's like an Easter Island statue just trying to think eyes now I mean mess it yeah I didn't want to say it but yeah they are pretty weird they are <laughs> nose who's got a bad nose Steve Bruce's nose Steve is Bruce. Not, not a pretty nose I mean, it's barely a nose. Mm, now. Mm. Okay, so we've got we've got a pretty. Uh, do we need a chin? Jimmy Hill's chin. This is a very frightening beast already. So we. I need- mean, speaking of Photoshop, this yeah. is what we need to see. Yeah. Um. What? So now we need a trunk, like a a, a corpsey bit. Who's who's like a um, torso. midriff torso? Could it be? Who would you say has got the most grotesquely misshapen torso in football? Uh, let me have a think I mean my mind goes to sort of chunkier people Mm, Wayne Um, Rooney yeah Anderson maybe yeah he 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 piled on the pounds in his time at United yeah Wayne Rooney I think because there's sort of something curiously animalistic about it yeah and little yeah so now we need arms I mean can we identify anybody with like terrible arms it's not a thought I often have. About Peter crouches because you'd have this like this, uh, this kind of corpulent Rooney torso, and then Peter crouches gigantic stork arms. Yeah, and I'm on board with that. Okay, so now we just need some legs. Feet we won't bother with. We just need some legs. So whose legs are going to complete this hideous, hideous beast? <laughs> um. Has anyone got really short legs? Is yeah, I'm just trying to who's think like... who's got like little stumpy kind of gross legs. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I mean, think... not a lot of people with little stumpy legs become footballers. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, could we just put Peter Dinklage's legs on it just for the laugh? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's had a kick around before, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, though no, we should keep it within the realms of football. Who would have terrible, terrible legs? Um, I can I mean, hear you frantically googling there for terrible football legs. Terrible football <laughs> legs, yeah. The top twenty-five, yeah. Join us as we count down twenty-five um, hideous footballers' legs that you just won't believe. Yeah. <laughs> Power ranking the most hideous legs in <laughs> world football. How uh, can you I, say that Brendan Rodgers' legs are are better than Arsene Wenger's? Yeah, I know. Well, the comments are going like wildfire. Um, let's actually see what happens if I do type worst legs in football. All right, okay. 
just, just you know. I'm bearing, I'm bearing, I'm bearing with you. Okay, it's mainly pictures of Jibro Cisse and Dave Boost. I reject, I re- regret <laughs> that decision. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Worst so we legs have in football. One, Don't Google one, it. One of, one of Jibro Cisse's and one of Dave Boost's. Okay, lovely. God. God. Yeah. yeah. Not sure it'd be a terribly effective footballer with those legs, but hey. No. And well, not a looker either. No, but hey, for hey. sure. For sure. But I'm sure if he was winning, uh, uh, if he was making 200 grand a week, he would have like a super hot model girlfriend. That's just the way it goes. Exactly. Come on. Right. That is it for this week's Arscast Extra. Um, next week's Arscast Extra, we might have to do a little bit later on Monday because ah. uh, I'm going to be coming back from Edinburgh. That's it. You've you got a busy weekend. I've got a busy weekend. So uh, maybe Monday evening we can do that. Um, and I'm sure people will be happy to wait or indeed not wanted at all, depending on what happens uh, on <laughs> Saturday. It. But uh, we'll look ahead, of course, to the FA Cup final in huge detail. Ospina versus Chesney for three hours on the Arscast <laughs> on Friday. And then on Friday evening, come to the Tollington, drink beer, and listen to myself and James talk about Ospina versus Chesney for good hour broadcasting live. Ask us to extra, extra. Extra. All right. Well, look, hopefully we'll see some of you Friday. Um, until the next one, cheers. Bye-bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.